Burke's on his feet. He looks up and gives me a grin and says, Hey, dude, you too must be from Marin. Marin County's A-OK from Tamastin and all the way to M.A. Fresh organic veggies in the market every day. Welcome to the Run TMC podcast. That is the Run v. Marin County podcast, podcast about basketball in Marin County. I'm Duffy Ballard, and with me, as usual, is my friend, coach, and basketball nerdlet, Dave Levine. Good morning, Dave. A nerdlet. Hello, Duff. We're in a new location. We, we're constantly mixing it up. So we are in my kitchen today for this, so... That's very exciting. But we do have iced coffee, or at least I have iced coffee in my mug. What do you got? Do you We're have... being chased around by a paparazzi, Dave. Like, we can't, we, it's hard for us to find a safe spot without being distracted. It's like Taylor and Travis. You know, we just, we can't find any peace. But that was a pop culture reference, stuff. Travis. Is that one of the, is that Jason Kelsey's brother? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Right. He hosted Saturday Night Live. That's all I know about him. <laughs> I don't know anything else. Uh, all right, Dave, what do you got for us? So, uh, well, Duff, we're episode nine, which is fantastic. We have a great interview today with Michelle Bravelli-Smith. We'll get to that. But uh, a fun weekend. So this was the weekend where a lot of uh, high school teams had their first scrimmage. High school teams are permitted 24 live games and two scrimmages. So 26 touches, as they say. So we had our first San Domenico girls scrimmage. It was great with uh, our friends at Archie Williams. And then uh, one funny story from this weekend is I actually went to see the San Domenico boys scrimmage against our friends, the Marin Catholic boys. Unfortunately, Coach Saya was out sick, but uh, it was a really fun scrimmage to watch at MC. And as I'm watching, I had two different people approach me. Uh, one was a uh, shout out to Alon Rodham, great guy who I had not met before, actually. He came and introduced himself and told me he's a a listener and a fan of the podcast. His son, Lucas, is a really good player, eighth grader, one of the best players in the county. They listen to the pod. So, Alon, thank you for uh, introducing yourself and saying hello. Alon, pretty good player, too. He's got a nice lefty release. There you go. I could. I mean, you can tell. And Lucas is super fun to watch um, as an eighth grader playing against high schoolers, and he's, he holds his own. It's really awesome. And then uh, Bob Donlin, who has come up a lot in discussions, actually in future episodes. There are interviews that we've already banked uh, Bob was a fantastic player at Marine Catholic and a great coach in his own right at Branson, was an assistant for Jonas and then was head coach at Branson for a couple of years. I had never met Bob. I've known of him for years. He could not have been nicer. He came up to me and he was trailed by two of his four sons. I think they were like eight and seven. And Bob said, hey, I love the podcast and my son wants to say something to you. And his young son said, I like your podcast. So... Uh, thank you, Bob, for saying hello, and it's just cool to hear little kids who are aspiring hoopers are listening to this, too. Our next order of Run TMC uh, podcast t-shirts, we might have to get some kid sizes mixed in. We probably should. We probably should, because I've heard, I've had a few, I told you this, I've had a few kids at like CYO evaluations came up to me and said, hey, I like your podcast, so... Thank you for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it. It's been super fun. We do. And to reward our listeners, we are accelerating our releases this week. Dave, last week, so we had two this yeah. past week, and this week, two more, uh, just to get everyone excited for the season. Also, because we've uh, we've done a lot of interviews, Dave, and some of them you know, are not so evergreen in terms of content, so right. we're just trying to get them out there. We have uh, a, a bunch banked uh, for 
into later into November, December. A lot of great interviews, but for this these two weeks, accelerating our releases. So make sure you keep up to date that you are checking out our Insta, that you're on the runtmcpodcast.com. And if you want to be part of our Google group, you can email us at uh, the runtmcpodcast at gmail.com and uh, we'll get you on the mailing list. Sounds good. Duff, you were going to address a minor, another minor rule change this year in high school basketball. Yes, we're going from the broad to the specific here, Dave. This actually came up in one of our practices, and I, I still don't completely understand this rule. So any listeners out there, there's sort of one fine point on the rule that um, it would be helpful to have clarification. I sent a note to our friend Daryl Rory. Uh, as you know, Dave, he's an official uh, waiting to hear back. But anyway, Rule 933 establishes that a player may step out of bounds without penalty penalty unless they are the first player to touch the ball after returning to the court. Uh, so the rationale is it allows the player to step out of bounds if they gain no advantage and penalizes the team only if they gain an advantage by leaving the court. So that makes sense. But what I wonder, Dave, is if you are, say, for example, you're inbounding the ball and there are these plays where you have one person's inbounding the ball under their own basket Mm -hmm. and another person steps out of bounds and takes a pass. The pass is out of bounds. And then the first player steps back into the court and receives the first pass. Would that be a violation? Well, that, so that situation only happens after a made basket. Correct. Right. Um, And I do not know the answer to your question. We need an official. So Daryl, Get back to us. Paging I know, Daryl. You know what? To be fair, Daryl's probably inundated with texts and voicemails after his right. amazing performance on our podcast, episode eight. If Daryl, if you don't get back to us, we might have to go back to, to Coach Saya to ask him. Yeah, but, yeah Daryl's probably got a lot of media events that he's having to tend to. I mean, this is a massive podcast. So, yeah, no, that's, a, that's an interesting one. Um, let's, uh, let's get some perspective from our listeners on it. Yeah. All right, Dave. Uh, you know what time it is? It's time for sponsors. Sponsor stuff. time. Okay, you're first. I'm first. So, Karen Horstmeyer, are you ready to sell your home or know someone who is? Karen brings the same expertise, strategy, and commitment to every real estate transaction as your trusted real estate advisor. She will create a winning game plan for purchasing and or selling your home. Karen is fantastic. We actually just interviewed her. That episode will be coming out soon. An amazing basketball career and uh, just a fantastic real estate agent. Um, I, I love uh, seeing on her inst- um, Instagram and Facebook, she's often you know, having dinner with clients. She takes a real interest in her clients and does such a great job for them. So call her today, 415-794-4311. Thanks, Karen. On to you, Duff. Yeah, great interview with Karen. And you know, not to preview too much, Dave, but she went to Redwood High and never played basketball before. She was convinced that she was going to go to UCLA on a tennis scholarship. And she ended up a basketball legend. I think we might have concluded she's actually an icon. She's an icon in the, in the Marine Athletic Foundation Hall of Fame, in the Redwood Hall of Fame, in the Santa Clara Hall of Fame, blah, blah, blah. I mean, just incredible player. And yeah, didn't, didn't play basketball until her freshman year. Yeah. So very cool. Okay, your turn, Duff. We got the hub? We got the hub. Yeah, so Rebecca at the hub, in addition to leading the parent council for the Archie Williams varsity team and sending out multiple emails and organizing events and getting us notebooks and all sorts of great stuff. She's also sending us some copy uh, to promote the hub. So I'm going to dive in to a firsthand report, I believe, or it could be from ChatGPT. But anyway, it's about about the salads. Okay. Uh, So I literally crave the Red Hill salad, which has crispy Brussels sprouts, feta, tart apples, sunflower seeds, and dried cranberries. 
They also have a killer cob, a superfood salad. I personally like the superfood salad with chicken, Dave, yep. and a rainbow <clears throat> detox salad that are super healthy and satisfying. You can also add protein to any of the salads. That's what I do, Dave. My favorite is the grilled organic chicken. I agree. Also worth mentioning is that the Hub makes all of their dressings in-house, like the Addictive Green Goddess, a tangy basil lemon vinaigrette, creamy gorgonzola, or ranch and spicy Thai vinaigrette. So when you want a super healthy meal, then head to the Hub for the most satisfying salads in the area. Warning, you might get cravings between visits and you might get healthier in the process. The cob, I believe, is keto. I and, think that's right. Uh, think that's and right. it's yeah. really, really good. So uh, thank you, Rebecca and Jerry. Uh, support the hub, listeners. Next up, Duff, we've got... Well, okay, so given our guest today, Michelle Bravelli-Smith, is the athletic director at Novato, we wanted to give a quick nod to the Novato teams. We are um, still looking for correspondence, right, Duff? But Duff, what do you have on uh, our Novato teams, boys and girls? I have to say not a lot, Dave, but I was on Max Preps, and so I know they're kind of in rebuilding stage, but they're... Uh, some talented players, in particular Josh DeVore for the boys team. He's six foot seven. Uh, we are pretty sure that he's in the recruiting mix. He and, is for uh, sure. Yeah. I saw him a little bit last year. Um, he's got some skill, you know, similar to his dad, who was a great player who could play inside outside uh, at uh, at Drake in the early '80s. We've talked about him before. Uh, so Josh DeVore, good player. Coach David Blair. They scuffled last year at four and twenty-one overall, four and twelve in the MCAL. Uh, but they did have a couple of solid wins. They were competitive in, in a lot of games. They beat MC. They beat San Rafael twice. So uh, we'll see. You know, we'll, we'll take a look at them this year. Haven't seen them yet. We would love some correspondent help. Yep. Uh, and then on the girls' side, 7-19 uh, to 19 last year. Didn't win in the league. And we don't really know a lot about the team. Michelle Bravelli talks a little bit about them in the interview. But, uh, yeah, if you know the team, if you're on the team, if you're a journalist at Novato High, uh, yeah, get in touch with us. And yeah. We'd love correspondence. Yeah, just on that front, um, our friend Zach Wally at, at Archie Williams, the girls coach there, came up to us and said, you know, there's a there's a girl on our team who is interested in journalism and she works for the school newspaper and she'd love to be a correspondent. So that's a great extension of, uh, so if you have kids, coaches, if you're out there and you have kids who are interested in journalism working for the paper, as Duffy just said, perfect opportunity to be a correspondent for us and just give us some information so that we can be up to speed. Duffy and I, while we would love to go to every game, we can't. Right. Um, so it would be great to get get info. We do like to write letters of recommendation too. Absolutely, just a hint. Absolutely. What's what's your technique with letter of recommendation? I usually ask the um, the candidate, the student, to do the first draft, and then I polish it, organize it. Well, it's like a, a review process at a company. Sometimes uh, companies encourage employees to write their their personal review. And then the manager will take that and use that. So same, same idea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Keep it in mind. All right. We go in glossary now, Duff? We're going glossary. <laughs> you get to go. You're going to travel. We're going to do international travel for today's glossary. We are going you? to España. Yeah. So uh, glossary, we're back to the offensive side of the court, Duff, which is what you like because you're a good shooter. I'm not, but you're a good shooter. So uh, the glossary item this week is Spain action. Spain is a very nice action. I love it when I see teams run this. So the way it works is it involves a ball screen in the middle of the floor, typically a few steps outside the three-point line, so way outside, with a big, so a four or a five, setting a ball screen for the point guard. So let's imagine the point guard dribbling up maybe on the left side. 
the four or five comes and sets a screen at the top of the key above the three-point line for the point guard. The point guard goes left to right and uses that screen. Right as that happens, another guard, it's got to be a, a, a two or a three, comes up and sets a back screen for the big player who just set the screen for the point guard. So the point guard comes off the ball screen and then the screener receives their own back screen from a guard and dives to the basket. So what this does is it sets up mismatches if there are switches uh, multiple times, right? So really you got three things that could, could come of this. One, if you have a really good point guard using that first ball screen in the middle of the floor, that can create an opportunity for that point guard to get downhill and go to the basket. That's one. Two, the big, after setting the screen, receives his or her own back screen and dives to the basket. You can get a layup or a lob there. That's number two, and that's probably the most common result of this one. And number three, the guard who sets the back screen, as soon as that occurs, then pops out to the three-point line, and he or she can get a three, right? So as the defense maybe scrambles and there's a miscommunication and they double the big who's diving to the basket, they want to take away the layup, well, then you got maybe a, a good shooter for a three-pointer. So again, very common action that uh, we see in the NBA and in college games a lot. Uh, I just, I always like it when they run this. Did it originate with the Spanish national team with like Paul, Paul Gasol and you know, that era? I think that's where it comes from. Yeah. Um, so yeah. A skilled, a skilled big who can, you know, play outside, dive, finish, but also pop, you know, potentially. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Good. I Spain like it. action. There you go. I like it. Okay. I got one. Go. All right, uh, so different sport, great sport, not as good as basketball, we know this, but you know, football or soccer, excellent sport. There's been a lot of good television shows recently that focused on it. Of course, Dave, we know Ted Lasso, but also welcome to Wrexham. Sure, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds and... Rob McElhaney. Yes, exactly. Yep. Anyway, um, we're pretty much caught up. We watch as a family, and recently in a match, they, uh, they mentioned down the stretch, it's not crunch time, because we have crunch time Dave, for in soccer, it is squeaky bum time. So, wow. So we might actually at some point rename our last segment, but squeaky bum time is crunch time. And uh, just to talk a little bit about the mentality of crunch time, that it is having been there before is very important. Confidence and composure. Uh, and so to quote from John Wooden, confidence comes from being prepared. And so I think in practice, what you can do, of course, is to run these mini short games, three-minute games, two-minute games, situational, yeah. down to in the bonus, and you know, make it you know, have something at stake. You know, the losers are going to run or whatever. So you know, you, that's a way to prepare. Right. But really, probably experience in these games is, is ultimately the best preparation. It's all about reps. But those are great. And that's, that's a great quote from, from John Wooden. I find I, when I played... I struggled with confidence, but when I was in really good shape or had had a really good week of practice going into games, basically when I was prepared, I had so much more confidence going into those games. Yeah. Yep. So good one. Good. All right. Uh, do I have time for one more John Wooden quote? It's hard to do just one John Wooden quote. You start looking them up and you're like, there's so much good stuff out there. Always have time for a John Wooden quote. Okay. Go ahead, Duff. All right. Talent is God-given. Be humble. Fame is man-given. Be grateful. Conceit is self-given. Be careful. Oh, so beautiful. Good. Yeah, so good. He's amazing. Awesome. 
Okay, are we going to get to our guest now, Duff? Yeah. Uh, so you do an intro in the interview, but you're going to do a brief intro to the intro. I'll intro the intro. So our guest, Michelle Bravelli-Smith, one of my favorite people, a fantastic person. Yeah, I go through her background in the interview, so I won't repeat it here, but um, give it a listen. This is a great conversation. She's so thoughtful and cool um, and said some really, really great things. So let's listen to the interview and then uh, we'll come back with some thoughts afterwards. That sounds great, Dave. Well done. All right, we're going. <laughs> Hi, Michelle. Hi, Dave. How are you? Nice to see you. Nice it's to been, see you. It's been a while. So our guest today is, uh, so her maiden name is Michelle Bravelli. Um, her married name is Michelle Smith. Uh, she is a Marin legend. We're very honored to have her. So Michelle, I'll do, a, I'll do a quick background on you so our listeners get some sense. So you grew up in San Diego, early years, right? Mm -hmm. And then moved up to San Rafael. Michelle's dad, Jim, uh, played college basketball at USF, was a great player, and then had an amazing career as a college coach. He coached at University of San Diego for years um, in kind of mid-70s to 80s, right? Yep. And then moved up to USF and coached at his alma mater at USF for 10 years. And then he embarked on a, uh, a career as an NBA coach, um, assistant coach. He was a head coach for a bit, he coached in the CBA. He's been a scout. So Jim Bravelli's a Marin basketball icon, and he's got two amazing kids, Michelle and her brother Mike, who both were awesome basketball players. Um, so Michelle, um, after they moved up to San Rafael, she became a multi-sport star at San Rafael High. She's a proud bulldog. Um, how many sports? You played basketball and volleyball. What else did you play? Yeah, now? I played soccer and softball. I switched off every year because I couldn't decide. So yeah, that soccer used to be in the spring then. That's right. Those good old days when you <laughs> could right. play both soccer and basketball. Yes. But then you focused on basketball and volleyball mm -hmm. and then went to University of San Diego where your dad used to coach. And you played basketball and volleyball your freshman year, right? Correct. But then stuck to basketball. My basketball coach had a long conversation with me Okay, we're, we're going to get into that. <laughs> so Michelle graduated USD in kind of the mid-90s and then White went right into teaching and coaching. And she's been... Um, basically teaching and coaching for a long time. She coached boys volleyball and girls basketball at Drake. And then she spent a couple years as head coach of the Dominican University women's team. We just had Tim Lacos on, yeah. um, who spoke very highly of you. So she was in those shoes before Tim. Uh, she left Dominican to become associate athletic director at Branson, where she spent 15 years. I can't believe you were there for 15 I years. Crazy, huh? That is crazy. Um, and then... Uh, so AD at both San Marino and Novato for a bit? For a year, during COVID. Yeah, I was lucky enough to have both ADs yes. resign. And then the district thought, oh, we can just have one AD during that year. And then they brought in Reed Nottingham to be AD at San Marin, yep. our friend Reed. And Michelle is now uh, just focused on Novato High School, where she is the athletic director. She's one of a handful of women athletic directors. Uh, we want to talk about that. Yep. Uh, Michelle is one of the greatest basketball players in MCAL history. She's shaking her head. She Stop it. She's one of the greatest players in MCAL history, boys or girls. I've seen her play. I've played with her. We've coached together at camps, um, and she's an awesome person. So I'm really glad to have her. And her brother, Mike, we've mentioned Mike a couple times, um, was a great player in his own right, a star at San Rafael High, played at USF for his dad. Uh, Mike Sungio actually is a starting guard for San Rafael High. They're going to be a good this year. Um, Michelle has a husband and two sons. We'll talk about that. So the Bravellis are, are a legendary family in Marin Hoops, 
it would be a shame on us if we didn't have uh, the Bravellis on our <laughs> podcast. Thank so you. So thank you for joining us, Michelle. Thank you for having me. So let's talk about the early days. I mean, I'm, I'm interested for you. So uh, I don't know if you heard our, our episode yet with Fulton, um, yeah. right? So Mike growing up, son of a coach, right? We mm -hmm. all know Larry. So Mike, when he could walk, was talking about shooting hoops at the M yeah. MC lowered rims, right? So you're growing up with a dad who played D1 basketball, was a D1 coach. What was that like? Well, it's interesting because I think people would think that all he did was coach us, all he did was tell us what to do. He was more of that sit back, let us ask him the questions. I mean, when, he, when we were young, he was yeah. obviously out there when he could and when he was home. Um, but what people don't know is that my mom was a great athlete too, and she was my youth coach. Oh, that's awesome. Not my dad. But my dad kind of sat back and was like, when, when you need advice, I'll be there for you. Okay. Um, and, and growing up through high school, when he could come to the games, I think the hardest part, he'd sit on the upper bleacher and he'd cross his legs. But when something went wrong, he'd uncross them and cross the other one. Uh-oh. And we'd always know that that's when, uh-oh, now he's watching and seeing something that we didn't do right. But he was pretty quiet, pretty, you know. So he Filling didn't. In. So your mom, so at CYO or, or whatever youth basketball, San Diego and San Rafael, your your mom was your coach. Yes, yeah, all the way through eighth grade CYO, she was she was my coach. Were you Saint Sylvester's? What I was Saint nice. Sylvester's. Me too. Yeah, awesome. So uh, age difference between you and Mike. Mike is two years older than me. Okay, so as a kid, are you playing one on one against Mike? Yes, we did a little bit. Did you ever beat him? I'm gonna say yes, but he's gonna storm through the door and say you're lying. All right, Mike, gauntlet <laughs> thrown down. You gotta get on the podcast to defend yourself. I actually don't even know if we finished a game. I think I would always get angry. I mean, thank God to play him for the times that I did because it always made you a little better, but yeah. I think I would be the one that got frustrated and walk away. <laughs> well, it's funny, you know, you hear Reggie and Cheryl Miller talk about they would always play one-on-one -on -one against each other and yeah. they would always end up in fight, fighting yeah. each other. Yeah. So. But it leads to. That's a sibling rivalry, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> so um, what kind of coach was your mom? Was she, uh, was she positive? Was she encouraging? Was she demanding? Like what? No, she was positive and encouraging. I mean, the thing I still laugh with her today is she used to do contests in practice. And at the time, anybody that would win, she'd give like a lip gloss or an eyeliner because it was those times a year. Nice. So we would get a kick out of that. But but for the most part, she, her uh, she would do it. And then Mr. Woodward, uh, he was also coaching me as well. So they would kind of okay. team coach. But she was very encouraging and positive. And were you always a team, always the best player? You know, I was lucky enough. We had great teams. Like through CYO. Through high school, yeah. I mean, there was a group of us that stuck together all the way through. So we were um, we were probably a better team than I was as an individual, to be honest with you. You're being you're being <laughs> modest. Um, now, did you feel added pressure because of your dad when you were like when you were a younger player, yeah. like playing CYO? Did you feel like people expect you to be really good because yeah. of your dad? You know, I don't think I've ever felt that. I think people just expected me to be good, yeah. but I don't think I ever felt that. But I was in the gym a lot. Right. I was a ball girl for his teams. I even was it for San Diego Clippers for, you know, when I was in the younger years when yeah. they were there. So I was around the game a lot. And so, you know, you watch it and you learn and then you got the ball in your hands. So it came yeah. naturally. Yeah, our, our younger fans and listeners, uh, the Clippers used to be in San Diego. 
just so you know. <laughs> just like the Chargers. Just, it's, it's right. Oh, man, I missed the Chargers. Yeah. Back in San Diego. Okay, so let's talk about playing for San Rafael in the early 90s. And I, I grew up in Peacock Gap in San Rafael. I would go to your games. Yeah. Um, I loved going to your games. I'd go, we'd go, obviously we wanted to watch the boys, but I always insist we get there early to watch you guys play. You were yeah. awesome. Um, talk about playing for Santa Fe in the 90s. What was the MCAL like? Well, you know, it was pretty competitive. I mean, there were kids from a lot of different schools that you always had to focus on and, and get ready for. Uh, we were very good my junior and senior year. Again, the entire team that I played with in CYO came over yeah. to Santa Fe, except for when Allison Glasser went to Branson for a little bit, but then came back over. And, and came back. So then we, you know, got everybody back again. So our junior and senior year... We um, we went through MCAL and won MCAL both of those years. Okay. And did you have other college players besides you on that team? I did. I had uh, Dana Moore. She, w- she went to Princeton. Of course. And yeah. her brother, Chris, we just interviewed Dave Deneen. I think that episode is coming out um, yeah. soon. So Chris Moore was a great player for the boys' side. And Dana, I remember yeah. watching Dana play. Yeah. Yeah. So Dana you guys... was great to play with. Yeah, that's fun. Who was your coach? My junior and senior year, it was Mike Diaz. Mike Diaz was a very well-known high school player out of Fairfield. He went to Armio High School. Yeah. He broke uh, a game record and scored 64 points in one game, went on to Cal and played for Pete Newell there. Oh, wow. Um, and so he came in and took over the team when our, our former coach walked away. And uh, that was uh, such a blessing because he knew so much about the game and and brought so much energy to us, and I think that's why we put it all together. Yeah. So you guys had a lot of talent. Was he kind of hands-off in the way he coached, or, or how would you describe his coaching style? You know, he was he was gentle, I, I should say. We okay. had also Maureen McGrath, yeah. and, and she was always tough on us, and she's like, you're being too easy on him. But I think he was the coach that kind of knew when things were going well, he just kind of let us go. Um, he had his his certain offenses, and he had his one-two-two defense, yep. zone defense that we ran every single game, and we would not stray for it, and he stray away from it, and he was um, he made sure we were in the right spot all the time. Love it. So, how far did you guys go? Uh, I remember you guys always did great in MCAL. Yeah. Did you make it far in NCS? Did you make it to NorCal's? Like, how, how far? Did yeah, you guys go? my junior year, we went all the way to state. Uh, we lost in overtime. They scored four free throws, and we didn't score any in the overtime. In the state Still, championship Yep, game. I will never forget it. Uh, it's a team that we probably should have beat. They had two really, yeah. really great scorers. and um, But I think overall, we just were nervous. It was in the Oakland Coliseum. Coliseum, and, yeah. Um, the next year, when we should have won or gone all the way to state, we lost in the NorCal finals. And I think, you know, my coach to this day, I have coffee with him every Sunday when he talks about our teams. My junior year, we were the eighth seed, and we had to go to Bear River. Mm-hmm. And Bear River was the top team. And playing through the playoffs, it was a tough game every time, and it prepared us going to state. Yeah. Our senior year, we were ranked really high, and we had we just kind of walked through everybody. And he's like, we just weren't prepared for that close one when it came down to it. You know, it's interesting. When you watch college basketball, I always have this feeling, and I think it's because Honick told me this one time, when you see really good college teams that lose a game late in the season before mm-hmm. the tournament, yeah. it, great, that's good. Yep. Like, it's good to have those kind of experiences, right? Like that yeah. famous one, Duke beat UNLV. It was a shocker, right? UNLV hadn't been tested that whole year, right? Yeah. And then 
finally have a close game and you're not used to it. Yeah. Right. So it's that's interesting. And I think that's a that's a big experience going into playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. I forgot you guys went to state. Yep. Playing in those big arenas, our San Domenico girls, we just lost in the state and we just couldn't shoot in the Golden One. Yep. Arena. It's a different thing than it is really Santa different. High Gym, right? Yeah, we did not shoot very well either. Yes, so. <laughs> yes. All right, so let's talk about your recruiting journey mm-hmm. um, as a player. So your team's really good. You're a stud. Are you getting a lot of interest from schools? I was getting uh, some interest from schools. I, you know, those phone calls. You know, the once a week phone calls that were the most yeah. awkward calls that you get. Um, a lot of uh, WCC, a few Pac-12, but. Um, mostly it was Santa Clara and USD it came down to. Okay. Um, and I had shut down a lot of um, other schools outside of California. Yeah. I was talking to Duke early and then I, I was like, I don't want to go to a big school. I, I did not do my research okay. when I was in high school. Um, and that's probably one thing I probably should have done as a player. Although I was really happy at USD, you know, yeah. do your research so you know what you got. But I don't think I really wanted to go out of California anyway. Yeah, so I was going to ask you, like in hindsight, if you could do it again, would you have approached your recruiting process differently? Yeah, 100%. I think it's important that you make sure you research the schools, what it offers. Do they have your major? Yeah. You know, um, what kind of uh, campus is it? Uh, what's your team like? What's your coach is like? Right. All of that. And you'd seen your brother go through that whole thing, yeah. right? Now, was was your brother getting interest from a lot of other schools? I mean, obviously, the USF was a natural one for your brother because your yeah. dad was there, but not necessarily, right? Yeah. But d- was he getting interest from other he schools? He was getting a call. And, you know, I, I probably will not remember any of the other schools that he was getting. So if you that's fine, have to talk to him. But yeah. he did get a couple. And I think a lot of them were in the WCC. I just don't think he wanted to play against his dad either, you know? I, I think staying local... Going to his dad's alma mater, yeah. I think that was uh, big for him. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. So you ultimately choose USD. Yeah. Um, what was that transition for you like? When, like when you got there and you started to play, were you were you fine? Were you overwhelmed? No, I felt <laughs> from a time standpoint, I was overwhelmed because I was playing volleyball as well. And it was, we'll get you through volleyball season and basketball will start. But then when basketball started, it's like, okay, you're going to go to volleyball. Now you're going to go to basketball. You have conditioning. Wow. So it was a lot. Yeah. Um, but overall, I think having volleyball going into basketball got me prepared. And my freshman year, I felt really good. I actually had a really good year my freshman year. Got to play a lot. Yeah. Um, and what was, your, what was your USD uh, basketball coach like? Who, who was your coach in Kathy Marpy was the head coach. Okay. Uh, she was the coach when my dad was at USD as well. So oh. I was very comfortable uh, with her. And I think that was one of the main reasons I went there, going away from home, going back to my home. I was there until I was 10 and just loved the area. So I, yeah. I picked that school and we had a wonderful time. She, um, she was there all four of my years um, and it was a great experience. And how, so, were you guys pretty good? We went to the NC2A tournament for uh, my freshman year. Awesome. Thanks, God, to a 6'4 center that we had, Chris Anger. Uh, but that was the first time USD women's even made it to the NC2A. So we were that team. Um, after that, we didn't make it, but we were middle of the pack yeah. the rest of the years. Yeah. Did you have fun? I had a great time. Great teammates. Great time at school. So, so to, we've talked a lot pretty much every episode about how the game has changed over time, right? That 
the, just yeah. watch basketball today. It's a lot different than it was 30 years ago when we were when we were playing. So, do you think you would be a different player in today's game? Because you were, you were a good. What'd you play in college? Like kind of a three, four. Well, it was interesting. I was recruited as a three, um, and then my freshman year I stayed as a three. But uh, when Chris graduated, our post play kind of went down. So my coach kind of started to push me down into the post play, and I was a really small. What are you? How tall are you? Five ten. Yeah. So I'm going up against six four, six five you know, women. And, um, it ended up working out. I, you know, I kept telling people I'm going to use my speed. I can't, phys- you know, I can't out physical. Right. And so, right. um, so I ended up getting a lot of steals that way, trying to get out in front of them, but they got the ball. They're shooting over me. Yeah. And you weren't, you weren't shooting a lot of threes, right? Or, or did you? No, I didn't. No, I, um, you know, we didn't really have it a lot. Did we in no. high school? We, we, it was Danine and I were just talking about like when your brother would shoot threes, yeah. like that was a really big deal. Like, oh, right. whoa, someone yeah. just hit a three-pointer. And right. now it's like we were watching, your brother and I were watching his son play yesterday in an AAU game against Branson, actually. Literally every possession, there's a three. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or a layup. It's threes or layups. That's that's the game. It's a completely different game. It has yeah. changed the game. Yeah. And I remember you. You were great mid-range. I mean, you, yeah. you, were, you had the 15-footer. You were deadly. I remember playing against you. It was annoying. <laughs> um, okay, so you got out of college. Now you got to be an adult, Michelle, and you yeah. go into coaching. And so what's it like for you? And again, I go back to legendary dad, college coach, mm-hmm. NBA coach. Now you're going into coaching. Did you feel added pressure there? or? No, I, I really didn't. I, you know, I think I just I knew I wanted to do it. Yeah. I loved the game. And I think that just watching it from a young child growing up, I I learned a lot from him, and I learned a lot from you know the other coaches around. Sure. What to do, what not to do, kind of thing. Yeah. And I made a lot of mistakes. Don't get me wrong. I think a lot all coaches do, but you learn as you go. And and um, you know he was always supportive of me. My mom was always telling me what I needed to do as well. So. Yeah. What was it like for you coaching? So you coached boys volleyball at Drake. You started the boys volleyball program when I was at Drake, yep. What was that like? It was entertaining um, because it wasn't serious at all. It was a okay. group of just crazy young boys that just wanted to start a sport, and they knew I had experience in volleyball, so we just had fun with it. That's great. Much different than basketball, which was very serious, you know, five days a week. Right. You're in there for two hours. You're You're focused. Um, but it was a lot of fun. How were your Drake girl, the girls Drake teams that you coached? Um, how were those teams? I had pretty decent teams actually. I came into a very talented team, um, and I don't remember why the coach left. But um, but when I came in, I looked at him and I said, "Wow, got some know, we've already got some talent here." Yeah. You know, I mean, Ange Granucci was on my team. Oh. So talk about a big. You know, basketball family. Sister of John Granucci, episode two. Yeah. John said he was the worst of the five Granucci's. I don't know. It's it's a t- they're all amazing players. Yeah, they, they are all, all amazing. They were all great, but Ange could really play. I yeah. Remember. And then I had Meredith as my assistant. That's right. I was actually yeah. as one of my questions for you is is because I think I remembered that Meredith was your assistant. Yeah. Um, how do you go about picking assistant coaches? Well, in high school when I first came out and and started coaching at Drake, it was just. Whoever was there. Who's available. Meredith was there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jennifer Manfredi was a PE teacher there. Yep. And, and we just were like, this is great. Here's our connection. Let's do it. Yeah. 
Um, when I went to Dominican, it was a little different. You know, I wanted to find somebody knowledgeable. I always like having somebody on the bench that was more knowledgeable than me or is not going to be afraid to question me. I don't want somebody to just be like, I'll do whatever you say, Michelle. Right. Um, so I went to Dominican. I got Jeff Stanley, who was out of Petaluma. Sure. And he was a defensive-minded coach, and he would always, you know, question me if there was anything that came up. And he was out there coaching, and I'd, I'd feel comfortable, give him 100%, you know, of the practice or the drill, and, yeah. and would not hesitate. And I loved having coaches like that. So yeah. if you have that opportunity to pick those coaches, make sure you pick somebody that, you know, where your weakness is or where they're going to actually, you know, talk to you about, oh, yeah, what about doing this? Absolutely. Not just be a yes man. Right, right. Yeah, it was interesting because I've, I've, it's always, I'm always fascinated by how people go about choosing coaches, right? I mean, I go even go back to our mutual friend, Steve Lavin, right? When Lav got the UCLA job and he chose his assistants, it was all, all the Lavin camp people, right? It was Pat Sandel and, and Jimmy Sy and Steve Spencer, amazing coaches, but they were all kind of young, new to the college game coaches, right? And they did great and they had amazing talent. It was interesting. I was wondering, like, all right, should should you have those guys, and then maybe have somebody with gray hair in addition <laughs> on the bench that's that's yep. that's been around for a while, right? And then you see later on when Lav was coaching, you know, he had Gene Cady and some other people come in and be his assistants, right? Yep. So it's just kind of interesting. No, but when you look at that staff, though, you have Jimmy Sia, who's you know great offensively, Steve Spencer, great defensively, Pat Sandel defense. Unbelievable. I mean, defense. just overall, you know, the knowledge of the game there is. Pretty unbelievable you're to have right. on your bench. That's a, that's a great point. Yeah, the different different skill sets. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what were you like as a coach? Like, were you um, were you demanding? Were you positive? Were you energetic? Were you calm? What what was Michelle like roaming the sidelines? Probably, um, I was energetic. Uh, I was demanding. I know that I I scared a couple of girls away at at uh, tryouts, and and couple girls thought oh I'm going to try out for varsity in the second day they said you know that's not for me yeah and they just thought it was a little too much I was coming off of college I was really young sure you know so I was expecting a lot and um but I I, I talked a lot on the sideline you know and yeah. probably if I look back now it's probably not the best thing because the girls are all confusing but you know just like hands up you know move your feet you know not like you need to go here go to there but I was energetic on the bench. Meredith was a little bit more fiery than I was, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to have a microphone on me during a game. I realize I talk so much. Do it's you? like Yeah. It's not productive. No. I mean, but it's you just see it and you're like, I got to I got to say it exactly, right now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, and you get you get wrapped up yeah. in it. Um, yeah. But so, you also you also have to try and, you know, be that calm person when they're coming off the bench when it's you know, down to a close game at the end of the game and you need to Get them to relax and not stress. Right. You got to have that calm demeanor. Absolutely. That's where sometimes your assistants can help you. Yes. Um, okay, so the transition from coaching high school to then you go to Dominican, mm-hmm. what was that like? You know, um, the best thing about going to college is that you get the time with them. You know, in high school, yeah. it's November to March. You know, don't, don't coach them outside of season, you know, especially when they need the skills they need to Right. You know, get better. Um, but you had limits on you. And you did have limits in college. You had three to a workout, but you got them the moment they came on campus. Right. And you got, okay, these are my guards. These ones need to work on this. 
these ones need to work on this, and then you would set up your skill work in the fall. And that was probably the best thing. Right, right. Now, you mentioned to me, um, we were trading some texts, and you said, like, recruiting. Ugh. <laughs> so now let's talk about you're on the other side of the table here, and you're recruiting yeah. kids. That's, that's got to be hard. Yeah, I knew I wasn't going to be a salesman coming out of high, uh, high right. school and college, and I felt like in college as a coach, that's what you do. You got to sell you, you got to sell your school, you got to sell your team. Yeah. And it was never me. I just, you know, usually when I would talk to the players, I'd just say, listen, this is what we have, this is who I am. If you want it, it cool. Cool. You know, and we did get a couple great players, and, um, you know, like Katie Christensen went there. And did amazing. Uh, Tara Long from Sebastopol uh, went there. Uh, we were lucky, but I also left them because recruiting was too much for me at the time. Yeah. And at that point, I knew I wanted a family. And I remember traveling and seeing some coaches with the baby carriages at the games, and I said, I, "That's not me. Yeah. I don't want that." Yeah. And so that's why I ended up uh, leaving so early. Because if I don't have to recruit, I probably coach the rest of my life. Right. In college. Right. Yeah. Famous stories about like Pat Summit, you know, like giving birth and still, you know, like <laughs> call, calling out plays. Yeah. Um, okay, so talk about, so that, well, that makes sense. That's a good segue into, so, you know, one of the things I wanted to, to delve deeper on with you was your decision to transition from coaching mm -hmm. and to become an athletic director. Yeah. Right. So you start at Branson, associate AD, working under Tom Ryan. Yep. Right. Yep. Tom, great, great, longtime yeah. athletic director at Branson, great guy. Um, so how was that shift for you from coaching to being, I don't know, I'd call it quote unquote front office kind of, <laughs> what, what was that like? Well, it was interesting because the call came in when I was coaching at Dominican to say, we're looking for a girls basketball coach and a, you know, yeah, associate AD. And I said, oh, wow, maybe I'd be interested because at that time I was like, I don't know if I want to recruit. But then I realized I don't think I should coach because it takes a lot of time away from family. So they kept the job open for me to apply without the coaching position. So that's how I ended up getting there. Um, and it was a great transition, honestly. I, I have my hands in the sports a lot. Yeah. And I wasn't coaching, but I still had the interaction with the kids. I felt a part of it. Um, and even when we were winning at that Branson, you feel like you're part of that team. Yeah. And the coaches always you know, let you felt, feel that way. So. Um, it wasn't a tough transition. How, however, I really missed coaching. Sure. You know, but... What years were you at Branson? Oh, was it 99, maybe 2000 or 2015, something like that. Okay, so you had some amazing... I mean, again, this is a basketball podcast, Michelle, so I'm yes. sure Br Branson's got great sports all around. Yeah. Um, but let's just talk basketball. So you had um, some great boys and girls teams, right? So you were there when Fulton won state. And Honick, yeah. And Honick won state. Yep. Um, the the Fulton teams were incredible with the Bilney twins. Yep. Uh, I mean, Mike still says the best um, girls team in MCAL history or in Marin history. I don't yeah. know, maybe Centerfell High, Michelle Bravelli years. Yeah, no. <laughs> or the Brooke Smith, Nikki Warren, MC they years were, were really good, good too. too. Um, and then Jonas had great success with the boys, right? Yeah. You know, I think with both of those coaches, I think what you see is that they get the best out of each player. And even the last one on the bench, you know, there's there's something that they're given yeah. to the team. And 
and that was fun to watch. I mean, Jonas is one of the best X and O coaches out there. Absolutely. And I loved watching him coach every minute, except, you know, sometimes he'd get a little crazy and, you know, his personality. I don't was... know what you mean, Michelle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But from a basketball standpoint, you know, and I think Fulton mentioned the same thing, breaking yeah. down film, seeing what, you know, you're supposed to do or what you need to change and watching a play go on in a minute and then say, this is how we're making an adjustment. He was very good. You know, another coach like that, I think my dad was one of the best yeah. at X's and O's. I'm sure. You know, it just, it came easy to them and they just knew how to break down the game. It's so fun to watch games with with people yeah. like that. That was one of my favorite things. Like when I was at at Stanford with um, with Tar Vanderveer, Vanderveer left in 96 to coach the Olympic team. Yeah. And we had Amy Tucker and Marianne Stanley. And like I remember being at the NCAA tournament, the regional, and I was just sitting there with Marianne Stanley watching the game before ours and just hear, just hearing her kind of talk to herself mm -hmm. what, what was going on on the game and just seeing things. And I was, you know, I'm a college kid and I'm just like, wow, I, I didn't see that. Yeah. You know, and just the reps that she's had, but also just having that perspective. And, and Jonas was like that. Fulton's like that. Yeah. I, I totally believe that your dad was like that. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. Well, didn't you feel like when you were at Stanford, you saw that and kind of learned a little bit more as a coach that you can bring to your girls now? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It definitely informs who yeah. I am today, right? Um, well, you know, one, one cool thing also back to Jonas and Fulton, I mean, Fulton talks about Jonas was really generous with taking time to help Mike scout and Mike yeah. remembers that right and so now like my, Mike is that guy who helps the boys coach Tyler Gaffney who's amazing and young and right. great up-and-coming coach but Mike will take time to help him scout stuff and it's cool when you see the boys and girls coaches working together absolutely right and so as an AD I think that's <laughs> probably makes you very happy right it does it does I mean you need to have them work together I right mean, you're sharing a gym you're, you know you're sharing um, you know, sometimes the uh, other facilities, the weight room, you name it. And right. to not work together in that situation is, is really tough. So and what being are, supportive of each other is huge. Right. So with that said, what are some things that you think people don't know about being an AD? Let's, let's, let's <laughs> have a little, you know, public service announcement for the ADs out there. Give them some love. Well, as my husband would say, it's not a nine-to-five job. The amount of hours you put in if you're trying to build your athletic program yeah. um, is it's uh, endless and a lot of hours at night a lot of weekend hours and you know I mean everybody knows like right now Nevada's not at the top you know so we're working to get there we're working to you know get our kids to stay at Nevada and 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 play hard and and you'll see that my kids are giving it they're all they're competitive they're yeah. they're they're working to be the best they can be and um, when they walk out of Novato High in an athletic program, we want them to be, you know, mature adults that can take responsibility and, and get through perseverance and adversity. And I think they do that very well. Do you work closely with other ADs at other schools? And I'm kind of like, do you share best practices? Or is it, is it more competitive or collaborative with the other ADs? In the and it's more collaborative um, than anything. I think that, uh, you know, we meet every month, talk about oh, cool. the league. Um, we also, I mean, I, I call ADs all the time. You know, Jess Peich is one of my, one I go to all the time. She's at Redwood. She's been around. Yeah. Steve Farbstein, same thing. Of course. It was the longest longevity, I think, of Terra Linda. Uh, ADs. Yeah. Um, but it's just great to know that we have the support and that they're there for you if you need something or a question. 
and then obviously having Susie and Rich at the MCAL office, the knowledge they have of all the years that they've put in, it's just a simple phone call. Yeah. Hey, I can't remember this. What is this? And they're there as well. So right. the support is nice. So can we talk about the MCAL schedule change? <laughs> How are you feeling about that? <laughs> I'm bummed, Michelle. But I, I mean, I, I'm sure there's a good reason yeah. for it, but just... As a fan, yeah. I love going watching. So again, to our listeners, we talked about this. Uh, who did we talk about? That? Oh, Denine. But um, the MCAL is changing the schedule this year, so there aren't going to be home and home now. Uh, mm-hmm. Each team is playing their league competitors just once, once, right? Yeah. Okay, so talk about what's what's the reason for this, and what are your thoughts on it? Well, let's start by going back a few years when they used to play four teams once, five teams twice, or the other way around. Okay. Um, that was a tough um, season for the, I think it was mostly the boys coaches, but going into playoffs because are you playing the Bransons twice? Are you playing the Novatos twice? Are right. you playing Samaritans? And so they never thought that the playoffs were broken down correctly because of that. Hmm. So then they went back to the double round robin um, and the double round robin I love as well because the home and home and I love the rivalries. Yeah. And, and then you start getting teams that are state ranked in the state, ranked nationally, or trying to push for that. And now they want to travel. They want to go here. They want to go there. They want to play their better competition. And yeah. this is not just basketball. Volleyball is another one. That's yeah. why we went single round there too. And I think that's where they're at the single round because mm. the, the talent level is, you know, it's way up here and then there's some way down here and then there's some in the middle. Yeah. And they're thinking – oh, let's play teams that are more in our competitive equity kind of level. It's tough to take, though, because I was always an MCAL, and I think that that, that's important. League is important, and it seems like every year we go through this, league is less important. And for us, when we played, like, that was it. I mean, I loved playing against the league, the the Vanden Tours, McAllister, McKnight. I mean, you remember all of them. Laura King, I mean, You name it, but um, it's just not the same anymore. Yeah, no, I I, I get it. Um, you know, strength of schedule is important. Yep. Right, and and playing in your division, you know. So so remind me, Michelle. So how many games does a high school team get in a season? What is it? Twenty six. Twenty six. Yeah. Okay. So Two 20, scrimmages and twenty four games. Yeah. Right. So twenty four touches, as they say, yeah. as Mike Sia says. Right. So so now you think the MCAL has nine, eight. 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 Okay, so you got seven league games. I guess eight games. Yeah, nine teams. So oh, nine eight teams. Games. Eight. So eight league games. That's it. Yeah. So you got to fill your schedule and, mm-hmm. you know, you're playing preseason tournaments against good teams or you got to schedule. So it's for as an AD yeah. and as a coach, you got to do your work to get to get some games lined up now. Right. Um, and, and it's tough. But like, you know, our team, we knew we wanted to play Sam Run again. Okay. We knew we wanted to play Santa Fe again. Yeah. Those are teams that are like us. Um, and then we're playing in a lot of tournaments. You know, we're also trying to find those Division three teams that we can compete against. So when it comes to NCS, we'll have that 500 or above record right. going into playoffs and okay. qualify for NCS. Okay, let's, let's talk about the Novato Hornets. Mm-hmm. Let's give Novato some love. <laughs> um, they deserve it. Uh, absolutely. I was there. I was in your gym yesterday, both gyms yesterday, yes. playing and, or coaching and watching games. Uh, so let's talk about the boys and girls teams. Why don't we start with the girls? Um, who's the coach? What can we expect from the girls team? Um, John Ratchin is the coach. He's okay. been there a few years. 
Um, he is rebuilding our program. We, um, we were uh, down and out for um, a little bit, and we're on the upswing Great. with some talent. And I'm not going to give you too much of a scouting report because I can let coaches do that on their own. But, <laughs> That's right. But we're excited. that The girls are excited for the season to start, and um, you know, we're hoping to get that so I have one a, league win. I have a random – I didn't prep you for this one, Michelle, so no worries if you don't totally know this off the top of your head. But I'm just curious, like, so the Novato market – Right, the mm-hmm. addressable market for you versus San Marin. Mm-hmm. What what is the populate? Is it roughly the same population? Size? Our demographic is very different than San Marin. Okay, but then also, you know, you also have you have district lines for Novato and San Marin, but yeah. with specialty programs, kids don't necessarily have to go to their local school anymore. Okay, and even when we went to school, we didn't. I don't think yeah. look around and research to see where we wanted to go. Right, it was. Public, private, and the public school was Santa Fe for me, or private Marine Catholic or, you know, or right. Manson. Yeah. Um, now it's like, well, I can choose to go to Santa Fe, Terra Linda, you know, Novato, San Marin, with all these specialty programs. Totally. And so it uh, it really changes the dynamic of where kids are going or what they're doing. Okay. So Next let's get morning. to the uh, let's get to the boys. Who's the coach yep. and how's the squad looking? Dave Blair. Um, he's been a coach for over twenty something years. He he came out from Philadelphia. Yeah and teaches here, started up in Point Arena, won some major championships okay. up there. Nice. Um, talk about a guy that knows basketball. He definitely knows basketball. We have some talent on our team. And I would say, you know, a lot of people underestimate us, but I wouldn't underestimate us, I wouldn't underestimate us this year. Okay. You know, He's don't been take there. us lightly. How many years has he been at Nevada? A couple. What right? is this, his third year now? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen yeah. him coach. I, I like He's He's... He's fiery. Yeah, he's, he's a little fire. No, I liked it. It's I do try and control him too. I feel like I'm back in the Hanuk days, you know. Right. <laughs> a little yeah, managing. So, so is that is that your? I mean, during a game, are, are you? Yeah. Can you say something, or do you got to yeah. wait till the end of the game? Oh no! If it's out of hand, I will. I will say it right away. Okay. And I will just say, listen, we need to calm down. Um, yeah. But most, I think, ads would uh, wait. And I know at Branson, there were times where I'd have to tell Fulton uh, a couple times. And he was like, you know, get away from me, you know. Right. And I get it. But as an AD, I want to make sure that we have good sportsmanship. We want to behave properly on the bench, coaches and players. So Michelle, to be fair, as an assistant coach, when I make suggestions, Fulton tells me, <laughs> get away from me. So uh, don't, yeah. don't, don't feel bad about that. Exactly. Um, so female ADs, how many mm-hmm. are there in the... Marin. There's three right now. Okay. We had four. Christina Amorosa um, went back to teaching from TAM. Okay. We have Jess at Redwood. We have Francis at Branson. And then myself at Novato. Awesome. So I hope, yeah. hope that number keeps going up. Yeah. They did a really nice article on female ADs last year in the IJ. It was really... I remember. Yeah. And that was that was really cool. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Well, so you're, you're happy? You're excited? I am. I, I love my job. I, you know, as hard as it is, the hours, um, my husband understands how many hours I put in. Yeah. My kids understand that. And what's nice is I am on campus. So my kids see me or now one because one is gone. But, uh, yeah. and then I, I feel it's, it's crazy how much I feel like a proud mama, not of just my kid, right. but of all of my student athletes when they do something. And, um, and I think, I think they feel it. I hope they feel that my love for them and, and um, their support, their, you know, my support for them. Yeah. Um, and we're going in the right direction. Awesome. 
So your husband, I've heard, is a very good athlete. Are you competitive with your husband? <laughs> well, it's interesting. He wasn't a basketball player. Okay, he so that's probably a good thing, right? Probably. <laughs> um, I think he's learned to really appreciate the game. Uh, he was a football and lacrosse guy. Okay. He ended up playing lacrosse and rode in uh, Chico State. Oh, cool. So he did both of those. But um, it's we're not competitive a lot. We, we talk a lot about the game, not just basketball, but all of them. We do, you know, not always agree because he helps coach football and lacrosse and there's oh. things we discuss. And, and um, so from a competitive standpoint, I think we keep that. Um, no intense pickleball matches or anything? No, not yet anyway. Okay, good. We'll see. That's good. Um, and then you have two sons. You said you mentioned one's still at Novato. Yep, Tyler is a junior at Novato. He's a football lacrosse player. Okay, cool. And your yep. older one's at Novato Reno, right? Yep, he's, uh, he's playing lacrosse up at UNR. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Got to see him play last weekend. It was fun. He's got the Ravelli blood. <laughs> they're, all, they're all athletes. Sadly, they both gave up basketball early. You know, right. Well, Hunter played his freshman year, and then Tyler, uh, his last year was eighth grade. So that's interesting. And they, they did either of them try volleyball? No, because it's the same season as lacrosse. Okay. And I think that they would have if it was yeah. a different season. But they they love lacrosse and they're very good at it. So. Lacrosse is a great sport. Lacrosse was, it was a thing when I was growing up, but I feel like it's much yeah. bigger now than it was yeah. 30 years ago. Yeah, I mean, a couple of my basketball players that I played with in high school, we didn't have girls lacrosse, yeah. but they went on to Cal and Davis and they ended up playing for the girls lacrosse team up yeah. there. So there's a lot of similarities in the game. It's a great sport. But we didn't have it. I think I would have played that sport. Yeah. yeah. It was interesting. My daughter, Lucy, my older daughter, who's a freshman at Redwood, she played lacrosse for a couple of years, just like Grizzlies, you know, youth lacrosse, but... And she was okay. She didn't love it. But it was interesting. Our, her coach noticed that she was a really good defender, and it's because of help side concepts <laughs> yes. in basketball. So she understood, like, all right, the ball's over there. My player's on the other side of the field. I'm going to basically be at the split line being help side. Yep. And so it made her a really good defender in lacrosse. So there's Absolutely. It's an argument for playing multiple sports, and Fulton talked about this. <laughs> Michelle here. Four sports in high school, amazing athlete. Playing multiple sports is actually a really good thing. It was for, very for different when we grew up. Like, it was yeah. accepted and expected, I think, yeah. to play multiple sports. And then, you know, for me, I did play club volleyball. I did play club basketball. Yeah. But it was never over um, the seasons. It was, right. It would pick up in May. It would end in August. And then you start your, your high school sport again. You know, I, I meant to ask you this. Did you ever play AAU basketball? Like I did, yeah. yeah. But when we were playing again, we played with our high school team a lot. Like we okay. travel a lot of team or tournaments with your high school team. Yeah. And I did play AAU. We had a couple tournaments. You know, we did the um, Oregon uh, was big back then. Yeah. And um, Oregon City. Yeah, yeah, Oregon City. Yeah. And then, um, where was the other one? I don't remember if it was Arizona or Vegas. But, you know, we would travel as an AAU team to those tournaments. But for the most part, I'd have four tournaments with my high school team. Yeah. You know, and now that's not as big anymore. No, no. You know, and club volleyball, you can try out now in September. Their tryouts are also, you know, during the week or right after the MCAL championships. Right. Where we didn't try out until March. Right. So it club. didn't affect basketball and spring sports. And club volleyball is just a massive thing, mm -hmm. right? I mean, Absolute, yep. Lynn Juniors, like, I mean, they, they do a great job, but yep. it's, it's so cool to see. The, and the level of volleyball talent in Marin right now. It's huge. Is really yeah. impressive. It is. 
And you can see when our volleyball teams go outside the county, yeah. how good we really are. I mean, we had three teams that didn't, yeah. Three state championships yeah. last year? didn't right? win MCALs or anything, and then all of a sudden you get three state championships. Yeah, Archie Williams girls won the state, Branson girls won state, and did Redwood? Or, or no, the, um, um, Redwood won state, I think, two years ago. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, just am amazing success. That's really cool. Yeah. All right, Michelle, we have reached crunch time. <laughs> the end of our, Duffy's, uh, Duffy's not here right now, but uh, Duffy would remind me to stay on task here. Michelle. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> toughest player, we're talking basketball here. Toughest player you've ever played against. Wow, toughest player. Don't say your brother, please. No, can I tell you teams? I yeah, think yeah. My my USD team. I don't know what happened with our schedule, but every year my coach I think would would schedule a Final Four team from the year before. Ooh. So we had the Stanford, the Kate Pades yeah. teams. We had the Louisiana uh, Tech after they were in the Final oh, they Four. They were awesome. I mean, you name it, we played those. And then the toughest situation that I probably went into is our year that we went into the NC2A tournament, we went to Nebraska. Ooh. And two hours before the game, we have our shoot around 2,000 people are already in the gym. Oh, wow. And that was just a wake-up call, like how different it is. And then the strength and the power that that team had yeah. was um, yeah, was much different than what we were used to out here. Rude awakening. <laughs> um, who are your favorite coaches and players to watch, college or pro, women, men, whatever? God, you know... I loved watching Jonas. I mean, just, you know, I'd watch his chalkboard in yeah. the middle of the game. Um, he was one that I loved to watch. I, I, I will watch anybody, and I will learn from them. But yeah. my dad, of course, uh, yeah. was my, my number one. It, he was um, just so much knowledge and so much experience and, and at every level. Yeah. And how he... How he just knew his players, you know, when to be tough or when he needed to back off. Yeah. Um, one story I love, if we have time for it, is for it. New Year's Day. He had an 8 a.m. practice with his championship team from USD. They won the uh, the WCC championship for the first time for, for USD. And they came in and they were not ready to go. And um, instead of being a coach that just says, you're not ready, so I'm just going to run you to you know, till you die because you guys aren't prepared. He just said, that's it. Practice is over, but I have two questions for you. And one is, why wasn't I invited to the party? And two is, um, I want to make sure that you're ready tomorrow. So what do you guys need to do tonight to make sure you're ready tomorrow? And then the next day they had a great practice. That's great. So very yeah. mature. I mean, that's a, that's a coach who trusts his team. Yeah. Right? And, and look at what happened. They ended up winning the WCC tournament and going into the NC2A. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Um, okay. You have to be unbiased when I'm asking you this question, okay. Michelle. Favorite gym in Marin? Honestly, I love Drake. But you know what I think I love Drake about? The old school bleachers. Do you remember that? Oh, it yeah. used to come down. I mean, I love the rims, too. But um, I, I, I love playing it, there. That's my favorite gym, too. And I think it's my, it's my favorite gym to shoot in. Yeah. Uh, all right, what's your least favorite gym in Marin or, or worst shooting gym in Marin for you? Well, back in the day, I, I hated San Marin because it was dark. It's not dark anymore. So Deneen said, um, you, you haven't heard the Deneen episode yet, but that was his answer. And he said, remember Paul Farabuff, yeah. the coach? He said Farabuff actually confided in Deneen that he would purposely not sweep the floor. <laughs> it, was, it was like I said, it's like the deflate gate yeah. of Marin, right? He, and so 
And Dunedin, it's like those games were so ugly. It was like 39, 37, yeah. just stuck in mud. It's like, it's true. It was yeah. dark. It was yeah. slippery. It was. Well, Dave didn't need the floor because all he did was lay out and dive everywhere. Yeah, he just, yeah. he just, he was that guy that dived on the floor. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay, it's your dream team. You're heading down to play pickup <laughs> at Novato High School on a Saturday afternoon. Who, who are you playing with? Well, if we're talking Marin people, yeah. I, I would love to play with the Chavezes. I would have loved to play with Melissa King. I got to play with Laura King in college. Yeah. But I would have loved to play with her, the Chavezes. Um, just the history behind that family and how good they were. And, I mean, you remember Lavin Camps when oh, we used to play. So fun. Those open gyms or open courts after camp and at the night camps were so fun. Incredible. And incredible talent. Yeah. And just playing the game. So fun, the, be the best. Yeah. I would love to play with my brother, and, you know, just playing with him. I don't think I yeah. ever played with him as well, other than those camps. Your brother was really fun to play with. Yeah. Because I would be when like... When he pass. Well, when he passed, which was rare. <laughs> but I just remember like bringing the ball up the court, pass to Mike, three. I'm like, cool, assist for me. Yeah, exactly. So, makes you so, look good. But those were, those were some of the best days, those Lavin Camp days where, you know, you ran camp all day and then the coaches got together and played some games afterwards. It was a special... It was a special uh, thing that we had. We've, we've mentioned Lavin Camps a lot. By the way, we've mentioned Buck Chavez in every podcast episode. Because So <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that you got him in there. So um, him coming in in the three-quarter PJ pants and his boots to play basketball, and he's still, you know, Still goes it up. for 35. Yep. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we were talking about um, the Lavin Camp days with uh, – with Chris Ballard, because uh, who's a you know Duffy's brother, who's a Sports Illustrated writer, great yeah. guy, but he was talking about you know he went to Pomona with Mike Budenholzer, oh, right, yeah. and I mean like I beat Budenholzer in a Lavin Camp game, like I'm coaching you know eighth grade boys against him, and I, I totally outcoached that guy. Yeah. He went on to be NBA Coach of the Year and win an NBA title. And what happened? What happened to me? I don't I'm just, know. I'm a lowly podcaster, <laughs> Michelle. Um, all right, well. Uh, this has been awesome. It's so good to see you. So Michelle and I have known each other for 30 years because we used to mm -hmm. coach camps together. Um, she's one of my favorite people. She's just an awesome person. Listeners, support the Novato Hornets. That's right. Go out. They've got their up-and-coming boys and girls teams. Yep. Um, and Michelle, I can't thank you enough for your time. Thank you for having me. Awesome. All right. Uh, well, that was a lot of fun for me. Duff, what would you think? Uh, I thought it was great. I have listened to the uh, interview, Dave, I apologize to Michelle. I got called away and I was not able to sit in for the first time in an interview, but uh, it was pretty clear I wasn't missed. I thought it was a, a great interview, but because uh, in part to penalize myself uh, for double scheduling, I'm not gonna have a quick take on this, uh, Dave. And instead, uh, we're going to ask friend of the pod and previous guest and all around basketball nerdlet on steroids, Dave Deneen, to give us his take on this interview. So uh, we're going to get that, and then we're going to have uh, some reaction afterwards. So take it away, Coach Deneen. Duff and Dave, uh, touching base here from Nevada Wolfpack country. A couple of things that I really enjoyed about Michelle Bravelli's podcast. Number one, she talked, how, talked about how her dad would just go to the games, sit in the rafters, and after the game, would just go home. He was a Division One head coach. He would never think in a million years to go talk to Michelle's coaches about, say, her playing time or her not getting enough co uh, touches. 
So what I'm getting at is sometimes parents want to go talk to the coach about their son or their daughter's playing time. You should really be encouraging your son or daughter to be talking to the coaches by themselves to figure out things. Number two, your your transcript always goes hand in hand with your highlight video. So Michelle put herself in a position academically to be recruited by schools like uh, the University of San Diego. So if you think you can just skate through high school and, and get a 2.5 and be recruited by top-notch academic institutions, it's just not going to happen. So that great highlight tape you have, better have a decent GPA to go along with it. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. All right. Well said, Dave. I loved it. Uh, here are a few observations that I had on my discussion with Michelle, uh, who I've known for a long time. First of all, uh, Michelle is just fantastic. She's confident, but down to earth. She's super thoughtful. Um, just a total stud. I mean, it doesn't, you wouldn't know by listening to her. She, she was an amazing player uh, and, and multiple sports. I mean, thrived. Division one athlete in two different sports with volleyball and basketball until she focused on basketball. Just really, really talented, but very down to earth and could not be a nicer person. Two, I love that um, she still gets coffee every Sunday with her high school coach. Shame on me for not following up on that in the interview. But um, I love that, and that just shows you the bonds that coaches and players can have here, you know, almost 40 years after she's out of high school or 30-something years out of high school, and she's still having coffee with her coach every Sunday. And then finally, Deneen mentioned this too, but I remember going to the Santa Fe games and seeing Michelle's dad, Jim Bravelli, up in the top of the bleachers, as unobtrusive and out of the way as he could be, and not saying a word, just stoically sitting there. I love the image that she said of where he had his legs crossed, and if he would uncross and recross them, that meant, uh-oh, Michelle or Mike did something wrong. But um, he let the coaches coach. This guy was a Division One, high-level Division One coach for decades, went on to coach in the NBA for the Wizards and a couple teams, the Nuggets, and he didn't say a word at the games, and he let the coaches coach. He was just a parent and an exemplary parent at that, uh, where um, I just I thought that was that was really cool. So loved talking to Michelle. Could have talked to her for a lot longer, and I really appreciate her being on. Yes, Dave. One thing I wonder about when it comes to being a coach in the stands, I don't know what your take on this is. What if you see something about your son or daughter with regards to their mood that the coach is not addressing that you think you might be able to, you know, sort of at least call attention to? Have you had that? That's a, that's a hard one. I have, and I haven't always handled it the right way when I watch my daughter play. I'm used to, so used to coaching my kids, um, but when I'm not the coach and I'm in the stands, I've learned to just, I, I think I just have to be quiet and let it go, yeah. um, even though it's, it's hard to do. And you know, Fulton has been helpful for me, and we talked about that in episode one, that you know, you, the kid has to have one voice, right? The coach has to be the voice that they listen to. And we've all been in situations stuff where we've coached and kids that we're coaching are looking up at the stands at their parents for feedback or coaching. Right. And it just doesn't, it's, it's not an optimal situation, right? But sometimes it's really only the parent that can say to the child, looks like you probably need to go to the bathroom and relieve your bladder. <laughs> True. <laughs> that could improve your play. True. But yeah, no, I think that's a very good point. And I... I personally have uh, struggled with that as well this year, uh, transitioning from having been Holden's coach to not being Holden's coach. You know, it, it has been a bit of, a bit of a transition, and it will continue to be, I'm sure. And uh, but that's a it's a great story and a great observation to think about when you're in that situation as a parent slash coach. 
and I really enjoyed uh, meeting Michelle. I, I'm sorry I couldn't sit in on the interview, but it was a pleasure to meet her, and I'm sure I'll look forward to seeing her at basketball events across Marin. And uh, I would be remiss if I didn't have a little poke at her from Carrie Barrett Husbands. Carrie, a friend of mine, yep. we're going to have her on the pod at some point. Great player in Novato, and then at Cal after that. And she, uh, she thought it was ironic that you'd ended up a Hornet, uh, Michelle, despite uh, the battles that you and Carrie had had in your days at San Rafael. So more on that in a future podcast. Now, Dave. Player control. Player control. Player control timestamps. Daryl Rory episode now has timestamps. Thank you. We have a research assistant that's been helping, and so we were gonna uh, we're gonna add the timestamps to episodes moving forward, starting with episode eight, and then we'll go back in time if we can. So I think uh, was Dan Dibley asked us for timestamps. Thank you, Dan, for Thank that. You, Dan. Comment. Thank you, Dan. So in the in the show notes, we have timestamps so you can go specifically to areas so people can skip our banter, Duff, and get to the good stuff in the interview. Or they can skip, you know, listen to the intro and skip straight to the outro. There you know, whatever, what, yeah, we offer a lot of different opportunities for skipping content. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, finally, I don't know, my Chris Paul prediction may be looking a little bit better the last couple of days. Yeah, I'm not going to retract it quite yet. It's hard. Fans, we, we record these, and then there's a lag between when we record them and actually distribute them. And the NBA plays you know, every other day, so something we could say might be accurate today and will not be accurate in a week. But yeah, the Warriors, as we speak today, have lost three in a row. They're now six and five, I think. Mm-hmm. Still off to a good start. But uh, you know, the NBA season is long, and there are going to be ups and downs. And don't get me wrong, I'm rooting for Chris Paul and the second unit. They've had a lot of good moments, but they're missing a little bit of scoring right now. Yeah, again, coming back to a very sophisticated strategy, uh, it's good to make shots. That helps. There's a ball, and you want to put it in the basket. There we go. There we go. Dave, you want to uh, just thank our sponsors, and we can sign off? Yeah, uh, love the support we're getting. Actually, Duff, we've got... Two more sponsors that we're talking to right now about signing up in addition to the four that we have. So thank you once again to Karen Horstmeyer, to The Hub, to NBBA, and to the Nike camps at San Domenico. We really appreciate your support. Yep. Thank you to the Skaggers. To the Skaggers. 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 Yep. All right. We'll talk again soon, Dave, I'm sure. Sounds good. Thanks again, Michelle. Great discussion. This has been the Run TMC Podcast, a podcast about basketball in Marin County. This guy walks into a little saloon and sits down. He draws the eyes of all the locals in this small town. He looks damn normal to me. Bandana on his head, Burks on his feet. He looks up and gives me a grin and says, Hey dude, you too must be from Marin.